really quick before we get to this week's episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to Rob Sturoban and Mary Jane Bradley. Thank you for continuing to support me on patreon.com slash stormageddon. You can go there for some really cool rewards of all different tiers at different prices. I hope you'll check it out. And now here is this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and my guest this week is the incredible Chris Kaiser. Chris, thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me on. Wow, incredible. Don't, don't, uh... <laughs> don't oversell you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, wow. I will admit it's been a while since I've seen you perform live. It was Comic-Con of, like, what, 06? Do you oh, remember man. when that Comic-Con was that you played live? I think it was a bit later than that. I don't think it was 06. It was probably somewhere in the 10s? In the 10s, like okay. 11 or 10 or 11. Somewhere in there? Because I... More or less just met you. I was friends with Joe Masella. Right. And he was like, oh, my friend does chiptune music. You should come see his thing. And so we went to your show, which was great. Um, and I, I recall, you. I think you were you were playing music on a Game Boy Color or a regular Game Boy? Generally regular Game Boys. Regular yeah. Game Boys. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, so anyway, um, for those who don't know, Chris is a chiptune musician. Now, have you always done chiptune music or did you do any other kind of music before chiptune? I've been all over the place. I started off as a kid learning piano, moved to saxophone, uh, got jealous of kids in bands and started learning guitar, uh, sang for a bit. Um, I've kind of hopped around for it for a while. I've uh, experimented with all kinds of different things. What was the what was the decision to move to chiptune, other than probably liking video games as a kid, I imagine? Sure, yeah. I mean, the video games aspect definitely had a, a part in it. Um, I was introduced to a lot of the chiptune stuff that I got into originally by my brother, who's mm-hmm. actually my twin brother. I'm not sure if you've met him. I have, actually. Yeah. I ran into him. Funny story for the podcast listeners. I ran into him in Disney World. Oh, that's right. I was there with my friends, and I saw someone who looked exactly like you, and I went, Chris! Chris and he doesn't move and then all of a sudden he goes oh you're talking to me you must think I'm my twin brother Chris and I'm like you're fucking with me right yeah and so that was that was pretty funny I was like well tell Chris when you see him that I said hi we we both get that every once in a while I've had people who I went he went to college with pass me on the street and like expect a reaction and then I'm like wait I think he's mad because he thinks I've just ignored him (laughs) but I have no idea who he is this is a common thing but yeah yeah, back to the the chiptune stuff though he got really into um, a lot of the stuff off of 8-Bit Peoples which is where I've released a couple records now Um, but I he he showed me Null Sleep and Bit Shifter and Anamanaguchi who were kind of like some of the core early um, earlier on chiptune live acts at least in New York City and um, after playing me a bunch of that, I started listening to more of it. And then uh, one night I, I thought, you know, back when I thought I was going to be uh, doing music full time, I was like, right. you know what, I should try getting an internship at a record label. And I was like, oh, you know, I've heard of 8-Bit Peoples, maybe I'll reach out to them. And I uh, shot them an email late one night and they actually responded. I was like, oh, great, awesome. So that's how I ended up meeting uh, Josh and Jeremiah, who would be BitShifter and Nullsleep, respectively. Right. Uh, who are now good friends of mine. That's but I awesome. ended up, you know, interning with them. They kind of had to figure out what to do with an intern in the first place. Right. But it was fun. I just kind of helped them out with some stuff around uh, around New York for about a summer. Uh, and that relationship continued, and I fell into making my own after hanging out with them and learning more about it. That's awesome. So, and do you feel like um, knowing all of those other instruments that you learned um, helped you create the chiptune music? Absolutely. I think that a lot of the 
prior knowledge I had kind of informed some stylistic choices and some, I guess, instrumentation or orchestration of it. Um, certain things that you're used to doing on like a guitar or a saxophone, certain techniques you can kind of slip into electronic stuff if you program it properly. Like this is probably getting too precise, but like, you know, if you were ever playing, if you played like a string instrument, like a violin or viola mm -hmm. or anything like that, the subtle vibrato, not right when you start, but a little bit afterwards, I used to add that to things because, you know, that would try to emulate with a Game Boy that kind of sound. Oh, that's cool. And then stuff like, you know, uh, phrasing that I learned from saxophone or from being a vocalist, little bits like that, you, you learn how that works in kind of like a base level and you, maybe you can try and apply it to the electronic stuff or other genres you work in. So I think a lot of things kind of came together to, 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 to turn into the style that I ended up making, I think. And so now I know, you know, I know some about the the sound cards in a lot of these, uh, the processors in the cartridges and in the co consoles, um, but I'm not super fluent in it. But I know that, you know, each console has a different, I guess, um, amount of sound that it can create depending on what you're using. And so you use the Game Boy a lot, I know, specifically. Mm -hmm. So your whole, so your newest album is called uh, Reviver, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so the new record, is that all made on a Game Boy? Entirely made on a Game Boy. There's a little bit of post-production stuff in there. I did mm -hmm. when I uh, was working on the, the mastering with, uh, with Mel Sleep Jeremiah. And um, little things here and there just to make the songs flow together. But any composition, any sound design, for the most part, pure Game Boy. That's really interesting to me because I hear sounds on there that I swear are modern. So I, I'm still a big gamer and I play a lot of modern retro games like Shovel Knight and uh, Hollow Knight and like, you know, a lot of these games that emulate old school 8-bit games but are actually, you know, made on the Nintendo Switch or the PlayStation 4. Yeah. Um, so what I'm curious about is um, when creating a record like this, you know, do you have a trajectory for the record or do you just kind of play with sounds till you like what you're hearing? Is it a lot more freeform or are you doing a lot of writing? Like, how do you pull an album like this together? It's a good question. This one was um, really just, I made a bunch of songs over the years and I said, you know what, it's time to make a record. <laughs> And then I really just went through and figured out, like, what do I have that fits with each other? What feels right? I didn't have, like, a main concept for the record in mind or anything like that. I don't think I really ever have when I've made records. I've just said, you know, I have enough to piece something coherent together that at least feels like it works. Well, yeah, because listening to the record, it, I feel like I'm on some kind of 8-bit sci-fi adventure. Like, <laughs> it really has this kind of spacey feel to me, and I think it's because there are also some grumbling sounds in the first couple of tracks, which sounds like kind of like a rocket ship taking off, and just like the way things sort of build. Um, do you do you have a narrative in your head, even when you're pulling picking out the songs that you've worked on, or is it just kind of you're going for like a um, a theme tonally more than anything else? I would say more tonally than anything else. I know I, I, I've identified something, even when I'm not making chiptunes stuff, I have a bit of a penchant for like echoey and delay sounds and spacey sounding things, but generally with like a heavier back to it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure who I'd compare it to necessarily but there's certain like you know heavier rock acts that i used to listen to that would add like really crazy delay and, and reverb and space over the top of this like thunderous bottom end and i always loved the sound of that and i think i've tried to just emulate it mm -hmm. i think that does lend itself well to imagery of spacecraft and space travel and time travel and, and sci-fi in general yeah um so i think that's kind of how it fits together honestly i don't think it was an you know me saying this is clearly a rocket ship or i'm intending to do right. that but I, th I think it does kind of fit from my personal um, pre musical preference and how I've translated it. I think that 
just kind of lends itself to it. Yeah, it's it's funny. I've always I always can I can never decide whether I like instrumentals better or songs with lyrics better because while most songs with lyrics paint a fairly clear picture or give you something to follow along. What I love about songs without lyrics is that you can kind of create your own story. And so listening to your newest record, like to me, it sounded completely sci-fi, even though that may not have been the intent. That's kind of what I draw from it because there's no lyrics telling me right or wrong. And the, the titles are obscure enough that you can kind of piece it together, except for one. So when I was looking through the track list, one yeah. of the tracks is called High Mark. Yeah. Is that a reference to The Room? It's a red herring, actually. It isn't, it isn't, because I realized when I named it that, that everybody would say that's clearly The Room, that's what the line is. Right. What I actually intended, and this is probably the first person I've told this to, actually, is this is a reference to a friend of mine whose musical style I felt like the, so the song was veering very close to. Ah. Um, so it's actually Hello Mark, my friend uh, Mark, who goes by the name Mono Deer and does Game Boy music with a similar heavy edge to it. Oh, cool. So that's one of the heavier tracks, on the, probably the heaviest track on the record, mm -hmm. and the, the growliness and the kind of like, I'm not sure exactly how to, how to describe that one, but there's like, just a lot of like weird bass sound design on it, and that's sort of his signature, at least from my perspective, that's, oh, that's what awesome. I, I think he's known for. Um, he's known as one of the best guys who does what they call bass music with Game Boy specifically. Mm -hmm. So that was me being like basically, hi, uh, if, if you think that maybe I ripped you off, it's entirely true. I definitely did. <laughs> Just as an acknowledgement to him. Right. So, um, What made you choose the Game Boy? Did you experiment with other consoles besides the Game Boy to make chiptune? Sure. I've played with a bunch of different stuff. I think the reason I chose the Game Boy was originally I had one. Mm -hmm. And... A lot of the people that I befriended in the scene and who I learned from and who I wanted to emulate were using the same hardware. It's one of the most accessible pieces of game hardware to use, probably the easiest one. I would say, well, for a couple different reasons. The cartridges you can buy are very cheap and very easy to find. Mm -hmm. Other things like the, the Sega, the Super Nintendo, or the Nintendo, um, the hardware is generally more expensive. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a lower barrier to entry sort of thing. Got it. Um, I would say one of the largest, one of the most prevalently used pieces of hardware is the Game Boy, um, specifically one of two different pieces of software. So uh, Nano Loop or LSDJ. I've played with both. I started with Nano Loop. I am terrible at it. I moved to LSDJ. Um, different interfaces, different styles. Um, I think it really just came from knowing there was a community around it, people that I could learn from, people I could talk to about it, and I had Game Boys. It just made sense. One of the other things I found about the Game Boy specifically that, that lent me to sticking with it mm -hmm. is the portability. Sure, of course. Um, you know, it's really hard to try and make um, music for me. As somebody who's on public transport a lot, Yeah, it's harder to find time to sit down and work on something on a Nintendo. I actually have a Nintendo in my studio ready to go, and right. I haven't touched it. Um, but the Game Boy, you pull it out of your bag, you have, you know, 20 minutes try and knock something out, it's it's much easier to do that. And, and it, I can squeeze in working sessions, so to speak, at any point in time, as long as I have that free time. And so the, the capacity to record and save the things that you create is all built into the cartridges you're using for the Game Boy. Exactly. So basically my, my digital audio workstation, so, station, so to speak, is the same hardware that I use to perform, which is the same hardware I use to you know, take on do gigs, so I can fit a whole rig into one bag, which That's is another awesome. huge, huge part of it. That's really cool. And so, um, how, what's the difference between trying to compose and play stuff, you know, when creating an album versus performing it live? Is there a lot of improvisation? Because, like, when I first saw you perform, which was many years ago now, many, many years ago, 
like I wasn't familiar with your stuff, so everything sounded great to me, but I had no idea how close that was to whatever you had recorded. Sure. So is there a lot of improvisation when you're performing live? Um, for me, there is a level of it. Um, mm -hmm. There is... I will admit that most of what you're seeing is not or hearing is not me mashing a button combination to make the sound come out. Right. A lot of it is pre-tracked, pre-programmed. So a lot of it is going to happen. It's a right. matter of when I tell it to happen. Got That's it. a better way to put it. It's more like I'm taking chunks of songs, ordering them the way I want them to. I can manipulate certain sounds, play with the, the instrument itself, pitch it up or down. I can um, do weird effects and stuff like that. So there's, it's sort of like a controlled chaos where there's things that I know will happen as long as the cursor keeps moving on my screen as it plays through. Right. And then there's things that I kind of leave up to, how do I feel, do I, do I feel like this moment needs something special? Do I want to mess with that sound over there? Do I want to, I can fake crash the Game Boy for a minute or two, mm -hmm. um, which is a no sleep trick that um, I learned years and years afterwards. But, um, there's things you can do to make each performance not just a playback. Mm -hmm. And I try and put as much of that as I can in. And so, in a way, while you're not necessarily a performance DJ, there are some similarities at least, because a lot of performance DJs are using pre-existing tracks that they then mix and, and alter on the fly while they're performing. Yeah, I can see the similarities for sure, because you know there's a difference between what I'm doing in a band playing every note on, a, on individual instruments. Right. Um, some people would refer to it as DJing or give it that name. Mm -hmm. um, I've been referred to as the chiptune DJ at a few different events and I am hesitant to correct people because <laughs> it's like I don't want to be that pedantic about it. <laughs> but since we're talking about music and creation of it, I might as well kind of lay that out, I suppose. But um, yeah, a lot of it, 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 it's a mixture of the two. It's right. a matter of um, there's a pre-tracked set of things that are going to happen. Um, what do I feel like doing differently tonight? Mm -hmm. That's really how I think about it. How do you, so you said that the the recording and creating process varies from track to track, but typically, yeah. how do you start when you're working on a song? Does it start with an idea for a bass line or, you know, some, some chorus work or like, how do you, how do you kind of create the song from nothing? Sure, sure. Um, it does depend. I've had songs that I've had a melody in my head and I sat down and started with that. Um, a lot of times I'll have a feel that I want to go for and just work off of that, maybe do the, the drums and then a bass line and then think of a, a, a melody over that. I think the best stuff that I've worked on has been, um, and this kind of goes counter to what I said before, but having an instrument on hand that I can play the notes on and then translate that into the Game Boy. I think my best melodic work, at least, comes from that kind of process. Are you playing a guitar or piano when you're doing that? Either Does or, it, whatever's yeah. on hand. Right. Um, I'm a, oh gosh. I'm about, I was about to say I'm a better piano player than a guitar player. I'm not even sure if that's true anymore. <laughs> it switches. Um, I haven't touched a guitar in a bit, so. Um, or, you know. But are those the, the two game. primary instruments the you two use? two primary, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I've heard from other musicians that those are the strongest melody writing tools are, are those two instruments. I think so. Um, ha, do you, are you currently playing or working with other bands besides just doing your own work? Like, are you playing physical instruments in bands, or are you just mostly focusing on the chiptune stuff? Um, a little over the place. Um, I haven't done much with bands, so to speak. I've been doing, um, um, how do I put this? I've been doing a project, which is sort of a community project that people mm -hmm. were doing this year and have done a couple years back, uh, called Weekly Beats. And mm -hmm. the idea is exactly what it sounds like. It's every week on Sunday night, Sunday night, um, you are required to upload something mm -hmm. at least a minute long generally a song would be nice mm -hmm. but the idea is you have to meet a deadline so i've been 
I don't think I've done zero chiptune for that. I, I'm the kind of guy who likes to play with other things. This is mm -hmm. sort of an outlet for me because, you know, Chris Kaiser has been known as the chiptune guy right. for a very long time now. But I've been doing um, other electronic work. Uh, I've been doing stuff that I wrote on my iPad. Again, portability is key there. Right. Um, I've been doing modular work. I got a modular synth and I've been playing with that. I've been doing kind of synth wave, retro wave stuff as well. I've been oh, doing cool. ambient work. I just, you know, whatever whatever I've been listening to and I want to try and recreate or, or move towards that style, I'll just do something. So I have a couple of collaborations in there. One is actually with, with my wife. Nice. Um, we, we both like this band, um, Black Moth Super Rainbow. Mm -hmm. you, are you familiar with that? I've heard the name, yeah. So they make kind of weird... Oh, man. I'm going to... If I try and describe it, I'm not going to get it right. But it's, it's you know, heavily vocoded weird stuff with kind of broken sounding drums and synths and i'm like you know what i bought a vocoder honey why don't you talk into this and i'll make some keyboard sounds over here and we just kind of knock something out that way and then i have another track that i did with a friend of mine uh that he asked me how do you make music in ableton and i just sat down and went well here's what i'm doing and why don't you talk into this microphone and we'll just break the hell out of it uh, that was fun. And then I had a track. Um, are you familiar with the chiptune artist Note? Mm -hmm. yeah, so he's a good buddy of mine. We actually run a show series together. In oh, cool. Um, and he's been doing modular work as well. He does synth stuff as well on the side. Uh, we hung out, I think it was actually a week ago or so, and we just hooked up his studio and started making noise for the hell of it and made a collaboration that way. So right. I find myself um, just kind of branching out, trying other things, because I feel like the Weekly Beat stuff gives me an avenue which I don't have to necessarily make something that is quote-unquote good or fits what people expect of me right so i mean i clearly still make love making chiptune and i'm gonna keep doing it as much as i can but um having a way to break out of that and just do something for the heck of it mm -hmm. always a fun thing to do have you ever found that the the weekly beats uploading those have you ever converted those into full-length songs for other things i have it with this okay um, i have in the past Taken sketches that were not intended for chiptune and turned it into turned a song. Into Some of the songs on the new record, actually. Um, I, I do little sketches on this app on my phone called Figure, mm -hmm. Propellerheads, which is, I think it's free. It's either free or a dollar. But it's as simple as you can get drums, bass, lead. You strip it down to the barest elements. You have, I think, eight bars. And you basically just move your thumb around and play notes, play bass lines, play drum beats. And something comes out, generally. Um, the best of those generally turn into Chris Kaiser songs. Oh, cool. Awesome. So I, I figure if it works in that limited format, it should work on the limited format of the Game Boy. If, mm -hmm. if it's a good melody, it's going to still be a good melody when I move it over. So, um, What would you say some of your biggest instru uh, inspirations are musically, either within chiptune or outside of it? Man, if you asked me that you know, a month ago, two months ago, that's going to change <laughs> left and right. Um, I have really weird tastes in music. Um this may be the one question I don't know how to answer, but I'll give it a shot. I have influences that are pretty varied. Like I go back as far as like, I don't know if you're familiar with this guy, Ray Lynch. The name sounds familiar. Uh, he did a record called Deep Breakfast in like, I want to say the 80s or early 90s. It was basically like what you would, you'd kind of call it new agey or it was like, I think it's all DX7 stuff or old FM synth stuff. And it was just beautiful. I grew up, my dad played this for me when I was a kid, and I was mm -hmm. like, this is great. And it was like one of the records I'll still go back and listen to because the melodies are so good, and it's no matter what sound set would be used to play these, it would just make sense. I right. used to love that. Um, my dad grew, <coughs> raised me on the Beatles as well. Of so, course, sure. Um, you know, that kind of melodic sense stuck with me. I had a jam band phase in high school. I had a jazz phase in high school. I still listen to jazz uh, when I can. 
Um, I feel like if I answered this question with a, a band name or two, sometimes it'd be like, <coughs> you ever hear somebody say, yeah, I, you know, I make death metal, but I really love Celine Dion. And you're like, why? Yeah. And it's like, there's, there's a disconnect between what people make and what they listen to. Sure. So I'm wearing a Deaf Heaven shirt right now. And I listen to a jazz fusion band called, uh, I think it's pronounced Yaga Yazist. <laughs> um, and I absolutely adore that stuff. And I love Sigur Rós, but I make chiptunes. So sure. it's like... I mean, it, I can actually see some connection between Sigur Rós and Chip Newton just because of the kind of instrumental work that they do and the kind of instrumentation they use. Like, sure. I can see a lot of the discordantness of some of your tracks fitting in with their kind of stuff. Sure, sure. If I had to say, like, for the songs that are on that record, mm-hmm. um, a lot of it was written when I was listening to um, Pendulum. Okay. Like, uh, I think it's Australian drum and bass. I can't remember where they're from, but huge name in drum and bass for a very long time. Um, just kind of like this driving fast stuff. Um, I'm going to definitely say Bit Shifter. I mean, it's a bit of a cop out. I feel like everybody sure. in Chiptune says they're influenced by Bit Shifter, but sure. Yeah. How can you not be? Yeah. <laughs> so, um. so that. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no the, right or wrong there's answer no right either. Or, there's a billion answers here. I could, I could be like, <laughs> I could, if I pulled up my, you know, playlist from that era, I'm sure I could pick out a few things. Um, some of the other guys in Chiptune that are a big deal for me are like, um, Chipocrit. I don't know if you know him. I'm not familiar. A buddy of mine, he's amazing. He does stuff that's kind of, he's actually working on a soundtrack for Earth Night. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's, that's all That's awesome. It's unbelievable. That's neat. He's really good. Uh, Knife City, who mm-hmm. was actually the, the drummer at Luke from Anamanaguchi. Right. His project was mind-blowing. Um, I really like Trey Frey. I really like um, Exile Faker. Did you ever mm-hmm. see him? He's really good, so. too. Um, the list goes on and on. There's just so many like people in chiptune that you kind of you learn from. I, I don't want to use the phrase steal from necessarily, but it's a community where you're all working with the same hardware and it's kind of a great leveling, uh, it levels the playing field is what I'm right. trying to say. Where, you know, it's not like because somebody has a really nice guitar, a really sweet amp, that they sound better than you. It's right. like, no, they have the same exact... They're working with the same tools. Yeah, you're pushing it a certain... Uh, you're pushing it further than it's intended to be. And if somebody finds something really cool, generally you're like, hey, how, how did you do that? It's yeah. ridiculous. Like, how did you make that kick sound? How did you make that bass sound? And generally people are pretty open to sharing about it. That's awesome. So it's, it's a nice community to be in. Um, with Reviver specifically, um, I'm always curious when you're dealing with instrumental music, how you come to terms, like besides Highmark, which obviously you had a reason for naming it that, yeah. but for songs like Reviver or Titan, like I get a sense like Titan to me again, because my brain's in sci-fi, like I think of Titan AE and like giant spaceships and giant robots. Sure. But like, how do you name some of these tracks? Do you find that it's just the sound that you're coming up with that informs it? Or do you start with a name or an idea and then build around it? I would say... Generally, it's I name it after it's done. Okay. The one thing I feel least confident on, and that's weird to admit, is naming things and having a <laughs> finality to it. Right. There are so many songs that on the Game Boy are still called like a weird working title. Right. Like for for instance, oh gosh, it might actually be Reviver. Um, was called on my Game Boy Bonafo, B O N A F O, which is the name that figure generated automatically for it <laughs> and i'm like well I, at least i can identify what that one is right because i know that name um i have other ones that have been uh from actually some of them are from like 2014 oh wow so they're like you know weekly beats 2014 1 weekly beats 2014 2 18 19 right and they were on my game it probably still on my game boy as that name 
So it's um, that is the one thing I, I, I do last. Yeah. Because if it sounds like it fits the, the song, it's probably right. Right. Um, sure. And I've I've changed the names several times. <laughs> like I actually was going to call the the record something completely different until like the eleventh hour. Oh really? Um, reason I changed it was. Every time I told somebody what it was, it required a minute of explanation. <laughs> and I went, this is just going to be so tedious yeah. if I have to keep answering this question. So I just took one of the names of the songs and said, this yeah. this seems to fit. Let's go with it. So you had had a longer title that wasn't a title, wasn't a track name. It was a like... shorter title, actually. Oh, really? Weirdly enough, it was HFF, which I had originally intended for this to potentially be, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking it might not be at this point, but right. I thought it might be my last record, right? Uh, Chip tune wise, at least, because I am making other things as well, right? Um, HFF in LSDJ is the command to stop the song. It's the um, end of the song, so whenever it hits that, it, it goes through. That just stops. Gotcha. And I thought that'd be a, a sly little in joke that people who make Chip tune would get, and right. then I realized. That most people who are listening to this have no idea what that means. Right. They're going to ask me for the rest of my life, what's the point of that? Right. So, Reviver fits a lot better. Um, and did you pick Reviver as the title track because it was, the to you, the strongest track on the record? Or it was a track that you were most familiar with? I will say, uh, as, as I answer these questions, I sound, on, I sound like uh, somebody who doesn't know what to call things at all. I honestly just like the name the best. Right. And I figured that was the sort of... It kind of calls back to it's not a direct Beatles reference at Revolver, but it right. sounds like it. It's it's kind of in a the vein. little bit, yeah. So I wouldn't say this is a Beatles homage by any stretch of the imagination, but short, quick things that you can remember like that. I just figure let's let's do it. That makes cool. sense to me. And you said this was your third record. Third record, yeah. Third, uh, let's see. full length. Even that might not be right. So I have. Three records that are just under my name. So Staring Into Squares, Self-Titled, and then Reviver. I have other stuff that I honestly forgot I had made because <laughs> it's been so long. Um, I did a split with a buddy of mine, uh, Chromix. Mm-hmm. This guy from Long Island. Um, that was um, a couple of my songs, a couple of his songs, and I think one that we had done together because we did a split set years and years ago, and we just kind of wanted to have something to put out with that. Oh, that's we cool. also had another one called Symmetry together, which I think came out before it. Um, so we did kind of two splits. We just figured, you know, let's put something out. Let's 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 do that. And um, yeah, his stuff was really fun. Um, I don't think he makes music that much anymore these days. He actually the Nintendo cartridge that I have now is his. He he lent it to me. Uh, but he and I used to collaborate and, and, and chat about this stuff all the time. Uh, so we had a couple earlier on collaborations, and I have like one-off singles here and there. Right. But in terms of like things that are called a Chris Kaiser record, it's mainly those three. And. Um... When you were putting together your earlier records, especially like your first record, was it similar to Reviver where you'd just been working on songs and eventually had uh, a glut of songs to put together and kind of found a cohesive theme like with Reviver? Yeah, there's always been a theme for me where I make um, a good deal more than I release. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people that I talked about creativity say this is very common. Like, mm-hmm. it's less about how much you make and how good the few songs you make are, but, you know, the same idea with Weekly Beats. You make a whole bunch of stuff. If you make 52 songs in a year, one or two are probably going to be good enough or maybe 10 or 12 are good enough right. to do something with. And that's always been my philosophy. Is just keep making stuff and see what sticks. Yeah. Um, have you ever gone a long period of time without being able to write or create like a dry spell where you just don't feel like anything's really working? 
I've had that with chiptune before. Yeah. Um, that is part of why I've I kind of experimented with other stuff at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, Just to kind of change it up so you yeah. can kind of give yourself a break. Exactly, exactly. Give yourself a break, explore new avenues, sometimes find something in another medium or another style that you can then take back to your core mm -hmm. competency, I guess, or your core style. Um, yeah, that's, that's it's, I, I've tried not to have any creative dry spells. It happens, mm -hmm. but usually for me, my way out of that is to just try something different and yeah. just, and, and make things that have no consequence to them. That's what weekly beats is for me. It's, it's there's right. no consequence. If this all is terrible, that's fine. There's a small community of people who will hear it and go, oh, that was okay, and then right. move on, as opposed to, hey, here's a pile of terrible chiptune that I made that no one's going to listen to. So having, I think for anybody who's creative, this this is my tip to people. If if you're okay with me sharing my yeah my thoughts please, on this, absolutely. Uh, my tip is to to make things that don't always have a consequence. I know that's not always an option or easy for people. You know, if your if your livelihood depends on you making things, right? Sometimes there's a stress to make everything perfect and awesome, but there's something freeing about not having to care about what comes out at the same time. Right. So I think that's it's a healthy thing to do. Um, have you ever been inspired to write music based on other mediums? I mean, obviously, video games are a big part of chiptune, but like, have you ever seen a movie or read a book or watched a TV show that's inspired you to write stuff for your chiptune music? Sure, sure. Um, I couldn't tell you what they were. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're taking yeah, in things yeah. from other mediums? Yeah, you generally I am. You know, I'll, I'll watch a movie. And some, this just sounds like it's cheating. Sometimes you watch a movie and the soundtrack's particularly stirring. Right. The mood to it strikes you as something you'd like to re, you know, recreate or try and do mm -hmm. on your own. Um, or visual art sometimes. You know, go into an art gallery, go into somebody's show, something like that. Um, picking up on things you think are interesting or, or finding ways for it to... You know, inspire you in unexpected ways. I always like doing that as well. Um, are you an avid gamer currently? Avid is <laughs> no. I wouldn't say avid. Okay. Um, I've, I've kind of slipped from that a bit. Um, I am playing Cuphead. I'm getting I've heard great things I'm, about it. I'm getting better at it. I wouldn't <laughs> say I'm good, but I'm getting better. And I don't. I don't give myself an out and try and play it on easy either. But I definitely like. I enjoy that sort of thing. That yeah. challenge and and the the challenge of playing a game like that is is. It reminds me of old games where you kind of had to learn the different moves, the different patterns of the yeah. bosses. It's just it's that all the way through, and I love it. Um, that one's fun. I, I play more casual games than I, that I want to admit, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's it's it always comes off as weird to me. Like you know, you like chiptune, you love games, right? I'm like I, I love them. I just I, man, I don't play them as much as I used to. <laughs> um, I mean, also once you hit a certain level of adulthood. "Quote unquote," it, you, the time is just not there to play them unless you have something portable like a Game Boy. Yeah, it, it's harder to play. That's true. Uh, um, well, it's funny because my earliest uh, interactions with um, chiptune were the Nurse Podcast and Anamanaguchi and Jet uh, Sunset Hughes Jetpack Blues, or maybe yeah. it's the other way around. I think you're right. Yeah, um, which got me into that record, and I really dug that. And then, of course, when they did the soundtrack for the retro-inspired Scott Pilgrim game. Yeah. I fell in love with all of the music from that game. And it was just funny because before that point, it just never occurred to me that you could make that kind of music and not use it in a video game. Like, I just always associated the two. Sure. And then dove down the rabbit hole. Um, if there were something... Is there something that you would want to make music for? Like, whether it's a game, TV, or movie? Like, is there something that you feel like you would want to score or wrap your head around? And if so, like, what kind of genre would it be? You know, is there any kind of, um, you know, specific 
type of media that you really like that you'd love to compose for? Jeez, that's a big question. Um, the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to. Yeah. Um, I. I have contributed songs to games before. Oh, cool. Um, That's great. Shoot, I'd have to go back and remember what it is. And, uh, oh my God, Chippy Blaster, that's what it's called. It was actually a side-scroller, sort mm -hmm. of a, a, a chiptune like rhythm side-scroller almost, where the um, you know, you're, you're, you're listening to a song, each level is a song, and the guy's moving and doing different stuff in time with the music, but you know, kind of like an action side-scroller at the same time. And a bunch of it was. I think the soundtrack was exclusively chiptune people. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I played it for a bit. It's a good game. It's a fun game. I think it's. I think it's a mobile only game at this point. Um, but you know, the the craziest thing about that game is they actually the artist for it did like a bit renditions of each individual person who was part of the soundtrack. Oh, that's cool. But I think the logo was actually all of the chiptune artists. Um, like to get almost like a what would you call that the this is the Beatles reference. Here we go. Uh, the cover to oh, Sergeant oh, Peppers. Sergeant Peppers. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. You go. It's like one of those, but yeah. like with all the chiptune people. So there's like me holding up a Game Boy. There's Rainbow Dragon Eyes. There's Bit Shifter. There's Saber Pulse. I think Omodaka. Like a long list of, of chiptune people. So that was like probably the most prominent game I've been a part of. Right. When I was starting out, I I let somebody use one of my early songs for an Xbox Live Arcade game. Can't recall the name of it, but it was a, a snowboarding game. Just oh, a, that's just a nice cool. little pixely looking snowboarding game. So that was cool. Um, do you yeah. do, do people reach out to you to use utilize your music for that kind of stuff? Or yeah, mainly for uh, less for that's what happened at that point. They reached out to me. There's been some podcasts as well. So mm -hmm. I, I have some of my songs on the Free Music Archive. So it's worked its way into a ton of like random Minecraft player videos interesting yeah all That's over the, i don't know cool. why it's a ton of them um yeah stuff like that i mean i, I would obviously love to be more involved with a project like that and be like, right. you know, i want to do a soundtrack to a game like one of the the, the, the soundtrack you mentioned the automanaguchi one right um, actually pretty important in my like chiptune formative years i mean i was listening to what i was making to it at that point but that was like a really big deal for me that was like wow they kind of made it like this is you know chiptune as a, an art form is becoming a thing right yeah um like a, a big deal uh that one's really big um the super hexagon soundtrack yeah um chipsel blew it away with that that's an amazing soundtrack um you know stuff like shovel knight obviously yeah know, for th sure those kind of record uh those kind of albums and, and uh soundtracks are, are they're they're pushing the the envelope of what this can be i think and right i love that kind of stuff i would love to be involved in something like that um, have know, have you ever time. wrote larger pieces that are more than a, a, you know three or four minutes long? Have you ever wrote something that's you know fifteen, ten, fifteen minutes long, or do you kind um, of keep things in smaller chunks? Um, for most of what I'm doing, it's generally shorter. I've done ambient pieces that are ten to fifteen minutes before. I in college scored a dance piece. Okay. Um, using like. Uh, like Reason 3.0 back in the day, like old, old software. Um, that was actually just an amalgamation of short things I already done and just kind of like chomped them up and put them together and that turned into a longer 20-minute piece or so. Um, I like the idea of doing stuff that's longer form. Um, I'm, I know that I'm definitely more practiced in doing shorter form stuff. I've always been like a pop, always been a pop so song. I'll try, I'll say that again. <laughs> I've always been a pop song, pop structure kind of guy, and I think right. it shows, obviously. Um, 
I'm the kind of person who, when I listen to my own stuff, I, I get bored easily. Things aren't changing constantly. <laughs> right. Uh, which I think, you know, lends itself to what I'm doing. But um, it's the kind of challenge I'd love to, to take on at some point is try to make something longer and, and, and uh, a, a cohesive, long-form piece of some kind. It'd be really fun to do. Um, the newest record, Reviver, which you mentioned a few times, just recently came out. Is there any um, desire or plan to do any kind of touring or play locations live and do that kind of a thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have a lot that's booked in this area, mainly because I am going to Japan. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm that's really, really cool. Yeah, it's going to be uh, Square Sounds, which is a, a festival that's held in Tokyo oh, on nice. a yearly basis. Um, I'm going out there. Bitshift is playing. Boa Constructor is playing. Who's one of my other favorite guys? Uh, Cubby is playing. Dot AY is playing. Oh gosh, the list goes on and on. I'm trying to remember who exactly else is on that list. Um, but it's kind of a, it's one of the bigger events that's that's out there in Chiptune right now. And uh, I got I got invited to play that, and I'm very much excited for it. That's excellent. Uh, so I'm uh, trying to get prepared as best I can. <laughs> sure, of course. Have you been to Japan before? First time. Oh, awesome! So very cool. Be an, it'll be an adventure for sure. Nice. Um, and so, I mean, I know you have played locally before. I see you post up at shows, so you're prepping for Japan. Do you have any plans in the future to try and do some more local stuff? I'd like to, yeah. I'd like to do more stuff, at least East Coast-wise. I'd be very happy to go other other places as well. Sure. I mean... Um, have you submitted to conventions at all, or...? I should do that. I, <laughs> I, I have before. I played... A while ago, I played MAGFest, like after my last oh, cool. record. Oh, nice. Um, so that was really fun. But I haven't... Oh, you know, and I, and I played at... A uh, convention two years in a row called a video game con. Oh, I know, I've heard of that. But yeah, yeah, so I played the first and the second one, and they seem to be doing really well these days. I think they've actually moved to a larger convention space too. That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah. So they're doing great. Um, I like to do more stuff. Yeah, uh, I just gotta. And you like playing live? You like doing the oh, performance yeah. stuff? Absolutely, do. I, that's probably the most fun I can have is is going out there and playing a show, even if it's like five people. I've had some really fun shows for like five people before. Because <laughs> I just, you know, I don't care. Let's yeah. have fun. Let's enjoy this. Even, sure. Even if it's not like a big crowd or anything. It's like usually people that I, you know, like and people want to, we're there to have a good time. I'll oblige them. Let's go ahead. Let's dance like idiots. Let's do this. Which is uh, generally my, my lifestyle, I would say, is dance like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> have you found when playing live that you've ever created something that later you're like, oh, i got to figure out that thing that I did. I want to put that in something. Like, have you done any improv on stage that later becomes stuff that you put on a record? Yeah, yeah. There's been, um, well, on a record, not necessarily. A lot of it is transitions between songs. I'll be, I'll, I'll be trying to figure out how best to move from one song to the next. And I have something in mind generally. Like I've practiced it. And sometimes I'll be on stage and be like, you know what? I just want things to fall apart for two seconds and then move on from there. Uh, sometimes that's a fun way to approach it. Um, I have played with the structure of a song on stage before and been like, this feels like it goes on for too long. Right. And I'll just jump, a jump ahead and be like, this is the way I'm going to do it from now on. Something feels off. That's the best way, I think, to, to figure out if a song flows properly is play it live and then wait for that sense of dread where you're like, this is this is so repetitive. I'm like, God, I need to move on. And then you, then you edit it after that fact. Sure. That's the easiest way for me to figure it out, at least. And then, so those kinds of changes that you discover on stage, you'll keep for future performances. Generally, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Do you have separate uh, cartridges that are saved for just live performances versus the recorded stuff that you put on disc? Or is it, it kind of interchangeable? Uh, yes and no. Certain songs have live versions. Okay. Or truncated versions or versions that I felt, you know, I wanted to add or do something a little bit differently live. I think there's like certain songs that have extra sections in them if I want to play them live. Certain ones have 
like extra looping sections at the start and end so that I can kind of vamp on it for a bit between songs and kind of um, prep the next thing. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, the main structure remains intact, but it's just those little things for, for making the performance a little more interesting that I, I generally keep, keep in there. That's awesome. Um, I'm curious if, since you've been do doing chiptune for a while and you do dabble in other electronic sounds, is there anything that you're not currently working with or any type of things that you're not experimenting with that you'd like to learn or that you'd like to do? Sure, I mean, a billion things. Um, I miss singing, mm -hmm. like a bunch. And I used to sing all the time in high school and college. And I still go to karaoke, and then I realize how much I need to practice. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing I, I would love to reintroduce, and I've told myself I would several times and just never end up doing it. But um, that I would love to do. I would love to experiment more with, you know, being in bands again. Mm -hmm. I miss that too. Um, there's something about having a group of people on stage sure. and kind of interacting with each other that's different from electronics. So there's something, I wouldn't say missing, but something different there. I think that we have to do again. I'm not like so. I'm I'm aware of chiptune, and there are a lot of bands that I like, but I don't know the whole the scene as a whole. Are there any chiptune artists who play with live bands? Sure, sure. So there are. So there are. Is that something you would consider doing? Maybe almost like being the DJ in the typical '90s rock band, like back in the day. Would you be like the chiptune guy in a, a live band? Would you have any interest in doing something like that? I don't know. I a lot of the live bands that I see, it's not like the guy standing there with the Game Boy, right? And everyone else is playing. There's, I think, maybe one or two instances where that's the case. But um, a lot of people who do that are multi instrumentalists, and they'll gotcha. be the person who wrote the chiptune backing track. Like, oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know why Bud Melvin comes to mind. He's the guy who, who did uh, Game Boy and banjo and vocals. Oh, that's cool. Um, Danimal Cannon obviously does crazy guitar stuff over over Game Boys. Um, and so it's usually the artist, the producer, or the creator just uh, mixing in live instruments with, with the chiptune doing, yeah. backing track. Okay, there are cool. bands that do. Um, uh, I, I think you, I think they're pronounced TTB, or I think it's Tiny Telephone Boys, but T dot T is there's punctuation <laughs> there that I don't know how to do, but them they do pretty well. Um, yeah, there's a few bands that are kind of fusing the either the punk thing with it or like other styles of music that either include vocals or include guitars or mm -hmm. drums. I mean, uh, Infinity Shred, you know Infinity Shred? They yeah. started off as Starscream, so that was generally a, a drummer in Game Boy and sometimes a Commodore. Uh, I think it's kind of one of those things, let me rephrase that, chiptune is one of those ways of making music that if you have a style you came from or a style you really like, you can find a way to apply it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are people who make crazy screamy hardcore with a Game Boy and a mic. There are people who make beautiful soft ambient music with uh, with Game Boys. It's a matter of what you want to do with it. I don't think there's a limit to it necessarily. It's more aesthetic than genre. If it, that sounds pretentious as I say it out loud, but it that, I think it's accurate. It's it's something it's a palette to to make something you want to on. And so you hinted earlier that there was a time when you thought that Reviver might be your last record. Are you currently working on some more new chiptune stuff and have desire to put out some more albums, I guess? I have tracks I haven't put out. Okay. And I'd like to. I'd like to find a way to get them out there. I imagine that as I listen to them, I'll go, oh, maybe I'll make something new and maybe I'll play with that. Um, maybe I'll have something brand new for Japan and that'll you know, kick off the process again. Um, I just want to keep making stuff. So you're not you're not necessarily there's no destination as far as I want to make this thing. It's you keep creating and if you think you can fit it into an album, you'll put one out. Is that kind of born of the social media shareable like 
Bandcamp generation where a lot I know a lot of artists are just putting out singles or two songers because you can just get them out faster and get them up faster. Like, do you think your writing style is kind of born of a modern technology feel that this idea that we're always creating and it's easier to just put stuff out when you feel it's right instead of like working towards a record like in the rock and roll days? Sure. Um, I don't know. I would say it's more from the the you know, the cycles of putting out records every X number of years. Right. That it rem- I don't know how to, if I'm putting this right or not, but I know that's the sort of thing when when you treat music like a business, mm-hmm. that's how you do it because you have to have a product and a source of income for it, and that's not a negative or anything. But right. I feel like chip tune in certain ways doesn't apply to that or doesn't hold to that. Um, chip tune has generally been like EPs over albums. Right. It's generally been like smaller doses. Um, you know, I thought maybe this might be two EPs instead of an album. You know, you know right. that's the sort of thing how, how it goes. Um, I don't feel like there has to be since it's not my main source of income or my main. It's not the thing that's keeping me afloat necessarily. Right. I feel more comfortable releasing when I feel ready to, as opposed to having to have something ready every X number of years right. or having expectations that it definitely has to be out soon. You know, I'd rather have it right than have it quick in certain senses. You right. Know? I've had you know times when I just wanted to put out one song too because I'm really excited about it. Right. And I'm definitely the kind of guy who, if something is really cool and I'm really excited, I might just like, hey, you want to hear this song I have? <laughs> okay, cool, yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily a product of that. It definitely, chiptune itself is a, is a product of the internet age. It, it right. Couldn't, it sure. couldn't exist without it, um, at least in the same form that it is today. So I'm sure there's some influence in that. There's some of that mindset. I'm not sure it's the guiding light, but there's definitely piece of that that's in there that's awesome um before we start to wrap up um first and foremost of course i want to promote the new record which i've mentioned many times now revolver uh not revolver (laughs) reviver which has made us think of revolver um which i actually quite enjoy um where's the best place for my listeners to purchase it if they're interested in getting it because i know that with modern music sharing sites and stuff it's some places you get a cut, so you know, and the cut is a different size. Is there sure. a preferred place that you re- you direct them to buy it from? Sure. I mean, right now, my favorite place to have it picked up is 8bitpeoples.com. That's the label that is okay. uh, putting it out for me. Uh, they have both free and paid options. So cool. if you want to support, go for it. If you want to just check it out, go for it. No problem either way. Um, I have put it on a lot of the streaming sites as well. Um, I've distributed it out to Spotify, and I think uh, I'm weirdly on Tidal, and I'm not sure. <laughs> Apparently, I'm on Tidal. Um, most of the big name retailers, like your Amazon, your uh, iTunes, etc., Google Play, that's going to be there too. I would prefer if you could go to Apid Peoples, not just because um, you know they're friends of mine, they're good people, and, and supporting them supports me, but. It's also a great place if you're not familiar with Chiptune to find other like-minded artists. Oh, cool. Um, the reason I wanted to put it out on 8-Bit Peoples is that's where I put my last record out, and that's who I was first introduced to and how I fell in love with Chiptune in general. So if you're not somebody who's heard of Chiptune before or wants to get a, I suppose, a quick crash course or quick education on it, um, that is the ideal place, I would say, to to dig in. So check awesome. it out. Um, and where can people find you on the internet if they want to catch up with you or chat with you about your work? Sure. Uh, I do have chriskaiser.com, mainly a placeholder to point to other things. I'm on Twitter at chris underscore kaiser. 
I'm on Facebook at Chris Kaiser. Uh, best place if you want to say hi or something is probably Twitter. I'm more on there than the other spots. Um, Instagram, Chris underscore Kaiser, if you want to see photos of creative processes and weird gym selfies for some reason. <laughs> yeah, probably Twitter is the best place, but I'm out there. It's not hard to find me. Awesome. Um, Chris, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. I really do love the work that you've done. I've always enjoyed it kind of quietly in the corner, and I enjoy getting to see you every so often every year. And so I'm hoping to get to see you live soon, but thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Um, my last request is we have a saying on this show. Um, it's born out of my music review series, which is music is life and life is good. Mm -hmm. So I'd love for you to sign off the podcast for me today. Sure. With, uh, with that phrase? Yes, with Absolutely. that phrase. Absolutely. I'm happy to say it. Uh, this is Chris Kaiser. Uh, music is life and life is good. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good. Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of We Burlesque, the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit weberless.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good. <laughs>